What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today, we have Dr. Barbara and Dr. Michael Grossman. That's right. Let me just read you a little bit about these two, because they're pretty impressive. So, together, they have guided more than 30,000 clients to successful marriages. Mm-hmm. To accompany their highly successful book, which is called The Marriage Map, they hold classes to help couples enhance their relationship and satisfy cherished dreams. One of Andrew and I's most beneficial like things we ever did was premarital counseling. You know, we talk about marriage counseling a lot, and we think it's really um, great to get their perspective on it as actually being the doctors behind the scene who are counseling, I thought was really cool. To give you a little bit of information on Dr. Barbara, she has um, degrees in psychology and theology. She majored, majored in philosophy and psychology from NYU. She's a licensed individual marriage and family therapist. Um, her background integrates spiritual and psychological perspectives. And between her and Dr. Michael Grossman, they teach a highly acclaimed course on improving your marriage called Restoring Romantic Relationships. That's right. And Dr. Michael Grossman is a board-certified family physician and a fellow of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. He's practiced this since 1978, uh, and he specializes in anti-aging and regenerative medicine using bioidentical hormone replacement. <laughs> He's a graduate of NYU School of Medicine and uh, just together, they're really impressive. Yeah. Here's one thing that struck me as we were having their conversation. They've, they've, they teach this course. They have these books. Um, and someone challenged me recently to be as strategic in your marriage and invest as much in your marriage as you do your career or your hobbies or whatever you're into. And I think it does get so easy over time to just kind of like have a wife there or mm-hmm. have a spouse there that you're not really putting uh, forethought into or taking initiative and investing and spending time with. And I think that was my big takeaway from, from our conversation here uh, was that, gosh, you know, they've been doing this for, for decades and the people that come to them and take their course are looking to invest in their marriage, which in and of itself is impressive. They give a lot of solid takeaways as to how to actively work on your marriage and your relationship Um, Dr. Michael actually gives us some anti-aging tips as well, which is fascinating. And to hear their dynamic of how they've kind of, um, taken his like anti-aging science and married it with her psychological science has been really interesting. He said there's definitely effects on happy marriages and unhappy marriages on your physical health. I had a lot of questions about the anti-aging because I know nothing about it. So uh, that's a fun part of the conversation. But they're also big fans of Dancing with the Stars. Yes, so. which we talked a lot about. <laughs> and that's one of the things that they do together as a couple is do dancing competitions, which is pretty great. Yeah. It made me want to do them. You up for it? No. Um, anyways, if you want to, babe, I'll do it with you. Without further ado, we have Dr. Barbara and Dr. Michael Grossman. Let's hit it. All right. Joining the show, we have the Doctors Grossman. And by that, I mean Dr. Michael Grossman and Dr. Barbara Grossman. They're both doctors. They both, uh, I'm very excited to talk talk with each of you um, because I think together you bring a wonderful perspective, but you each have, uh, I feel like, your areas of strength. And thank you for joining the show. Pleasure to be here. Nice to be with you. Um, in reading both of your resumes, uh, you guys are probably the smartest people we've had on the show and way overqualified. Um, between NYU, Columbia, and can I say multiple doctorates between both of you? Well, Michael's an MD. I'm a PhD. I mean, very impressive. Casual, casual. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dr. Barbara, you specialize in the psychology and psychiatric side of medicine? I'm, I do, um, I see individuals, couples, and families. I look to wow. solve problems, and, and ultimately, I intend, my intention is to grow people. Wow. Wonderful. And then, Dr. Michael, are we correct in saying you work in anti-aging and regenerative medicine? That is correct. I keep people young, and I repair people's injuries in natural ways, and I help women looking younger because they like looking younger. And uh, men like it too. Hormone, <laughs> natural hormone replacement is like foundational to staying young after the age of 45. And then 
baseline question here. I'm curious, how long have you guys been married? 50 years. And how did you guys meet? Sorry, Ben. We met in college. Um, I usually say that we've had three different marriages. <laughs> so we got married, we were 20 and 21. Wow. And for 10 years, we had a great marriage that I loved because we did whatever I thought was right. And Barbara was very cooperative. And then it <laughs> changed. She went back to graduate school. They taught her to think for herself, have her own ideas. And then we had six years of wrestling with difficult issues between us. Barbara wanted things this way. I wanted things that way. And it was very difficult. And, and, and it took a long time for us to um, learn the skills that we needed to make the marriage work when there's two independent people. And so we had a lot of different mentors and people who helped us to grow and learn. And, um, and then after that, we, we gained these skills and that's what we teach to other people, these skills that really make a huge difference do you ever miss the first 10 years of marriage, Dr. Michael? Do I ever miss it? Yeah. Um, yeah, whenever we have a disagreement, <laughs> why can't I just be right? <laughs> yeah. Do it my way. Yeah, but no, you know, um, the love between us increases as time goes on. Mm. But we have such different personalities, such di different needs and desires but we have a lot of overlapping thing but but we have different personalities and so yeah it, it's often a challenge and dr barbara i'm curious is that a good thing to each have different uh you know interests and desires and ambitions or i mean it's simpler if you had the same one you know well it's important to it's important to be individuals you know every every relationship needs stability but also um, it needs uh, the differences to keep things exciting. And so a little bit of mystery as well as stability is a, is a good recipe for a relationship. And if you honor yourself and you, you follow your own spirit, um, it keeps the attraction going. And um, we, we have, again, we have similarities. Um, we have similarities and differences in our temperament and we have similarities and differences in our interests. And, uh, but we come together and we have a lot of overlap that keeps us bonded. But uh, I, th I find Michael very exciting because he's, he's so um, interesting. He does so many great things and a lot of those great things I can't do. So I, I um, respect him and admire him greatly. And that creates juice in a relationship. And I think to some degree, I, you know, I'm that way for Michael. I do things that he can't do. And that keeps us, keeps the excitement and the, and the uh, chemistry going. The romantic relationship is a peculiar relationship. It's so different from any other one, parent, child, um, uh, brother, brother, sister, friendships. It's so different. Uh, uh, a romantic relationship is like a fire. You have to keep putting the wood on there to get that uh, and, and, and to keep oxygen flowing in, and it just constantly needs that attention or else it goes out. Whereas these other relationships are kind of like the ocean. It, it just is there, it's quietly there. So if you don't see your brother and, and the sister for a year or so, no big deal. Once as soon as you meet them, you're right back loving them and relating and so on. You can't do that in a romantic relationship. Mm. You gotta constantly nurture it. So it's a different quality of relationship and, and it has that intensity because you have to have the differences. Without the differences, you would just have two lawyers relating to each other in a business, which is okay, but there, there's no passion there. Um, Dr. Michael, you were talking about your own personal relationship and how you, you said you feel like your marriage has gone through three different marriages yes. within your 20 plus years. Um, We've heard the same thing from a lot of different couples that we have interviewed and that we've gotten feedback from of people change over time and they go through these really hard periods of time where they aren't sure whether it's worth it to continue because they feel like they're married to someone new. So if you're talking about a fire and keeping it alive, how did you guys within those six years of kind of relearning each other 
say to yourself, okay, this is supposed to, like, this is how it's supposed to be. How do we work through it to make sure it lasts forever? That is a great question. It's a very, very big question. <laughs> and it takes a variety of skills to work through these changing times. First, let's look at the changes that you refer to. So Dr. Barber is the, is the expert, but I'm the one who, who popularizes all of her great work. So she, she wrote a PhD thesis on how people change and grow over, over a lifetime. And, and, and there's many experts who have written books and done research and so on. But the basic understanding of the pattern is that every human being goes through changes. When you're a little baby, you're sucking on mother's breast, you're totally involved with mother. It's just you and mother. You cry and the milk comes in and you're happy. Get to be two years old, all of a sudden mother doesn't do everything you want. They used to just cry and mother would jump. Now you say, no, you can't do that. You have to you know, finish eating this or don't throw the, the, uh, the food on the floor or whatever it is. I mean, you, you make rules about it. And so then as a two-year-old, you're feeling more separate from mother, from those things you really love. Then you get to be four, six, eight years old, and you love being part of the family. So once again, you're feeling close to the things you love, a little different than when you're six months old, but you love being part of the family when you're eight years old. What happens when you're 13? You want your own space again. You, 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 you know the right way everything should be. And what do you mean I can't go to that party? I, I want to go. So, so you're feeling more separate from the things you love. And that happens to everybody. You get to be in your 20s, you fall in love, and then you you just love being part of this new relationship and you're feeling close. You get to be 35, 40 years old. What happens? You've had enough of all this family stuff. You want your own thoughts. You want your own career. You want your own interests and you need space for yourself and for your new desires. That's the time where it's very difficult in relationships. Right, there's an inevitability with a man and a woman because um, as, as men and women, we don't have exactly the same pattern. So if you get together at 20 and, and you're close and, and bonded, eventually um, there's a, if you have children, there's a differentiation of roles. Women stay bonded and relationship oriented and connected and and accommodating uh, while a man, because he, he works outside the home, um, has to develop his independence and competence. And so you begin to be in the, a different place. And um, eventually your children get to, you know, get to school age. Uh, there's more space for the woman. The woman catches up with that and grows her competence, gets involved in the world. Now that sounds like a good thing that you're both in the same place, except that there's, there's a possibility of two independent individual people looking for competence and accomplishment can become, you know, get, get engaged in power struggle because they both are confident, they know they're right about their point of view. And so that's a, a very testy time for a relationship. Um, and if you can, if you, if you have skills and you survive that, you, you move into a space where you're more integrated heart and mind. And that's where you cash in on your relationship. It's really much sweeter and lovelier, but that's a very hard time to get through. Most couples don't know how to do that. That's why we see so much divorce in our society because we're a society that really emphasizes competence and accomplishment and making money and so forth. And so we're, you know, most of us get headed to power struggle and things break down. And so there's this 10, 15 plus year period that's very, very challenging. And most couples don't know how to get through it. And I think that's what, what I'm looking to speak to because you can get through it and, and enjoy the riches of the journey. And, and it, what it does is it grows you. You don't have to start over and begin that cycle again with someone else, but, but it also allows you to have a long-term long relationship where you grow together, enrich your life together. And, and the final you know, um, icing on the cake is your children have two parents who love them and, and grow them up under the same roof together. And so not only does your family thrive, but the whole culture thrives. And that 15 year period is so tumultuous for most couples. And I'm not sure therapists know how to get people through that, frankly. So that's why we're, you know, 
looking to be in public to let people know there is a way through it and it's worth it because the tension between the two of you and the challenges and conflicts that come up, if you know how to talk it through and work it through, you both grow tremendously. You become infinitely wiser people and more deeply loving people. And just everybody wins. So you're saying the power struggle phase is 10 to 15 years? No, the power struggle phase could as as short as it takes for you to learn skills. The transition period of six months to a year until you realize you're in trouble and find find help um, is all is maximum um, necessary. But because people don't have the skills, it gets prolonged and it becomes torturous until people give up. So how, how do we make it through? You have to, you have to learn how to, how to, you know, what I find is most couples do not know how to talk together and that what they do with conversation is, you know, just makes it worse. So, so what we teach when, when uh, we have different classes, um, the short version is we teach three secrets to falling in love forever. The first secret is what we told you about what happens over a lifetime. You, you and your partner are going to go through changes, whether you want it or not. Who you are when you're 40 is different than who you are when you're 20. And if you recognize that that's not a personal thing, your, your partner is not behaving just because they want to be mean and cruel to you. They're doing that because that's their natural. That's what happens in life. We're changing. We're changing. And it's, so that's one secret to see the big picture. Don't expect a smooth ride in a romantic relationship. It's not designed to be a smooth ride. It's designed to have that passion and intensity. You, you're, you have security, but you also have to have mystery. So that's the first secret. So now the second secret that we teach is what Dr. Barber referred to is how we listen to each other. So we teach a secret that we call um, listening without interrupting. You have to really listen to your partner. If, if when you're listening, you're planning what you're gonna say, you're gonna argue with them and say, okay, as soon as they stop talking, I'm gonna tell them this, this, and this, and I'm gonna win the argument. Then you're not really listening. Mm. You have to really listen to them like you're trying to understand this person who's so different than you. How do they see the world? Why do they feel that way? How come they don't see it the way I see it? That's really listening to them, trying to really- Can I just interrupt real quick? Oh, I'm, sure. kidding. No, no. I'm kidding, oh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, you're funny. I'm not, <laughs> I just had like a heart that. attack. You know, like that. I'm oh kidding. I'm sorry, I did That's I cool, that's very moment. funny. That's good. <laughs> can, I, can I say, so Michael's abstracting what we teach, but we actually put couples through, through um, drills how to do it. We, we hold their hand and teach them how wow. to do it because um, to apply, it sounds so simple when Michael talks, but to apply it is hard. It takes a lot of self-discipline. And, and we, we add another layer to that because a lot of what we feel strongly about in life comes from our childhoods. And we teach, we teach couples how to share um, what, what you know injuries, what perceptions of hurt they have from their childhood that makes what they want so important to them that they're willing to fight for it. Mm. And, and it creates a different partnership when you understand where these strong feelings come from, from your partner, and even from yourself, that they're not random, um, you know, uh, aggravating positions, but it comes from deep feelings from the past. And so, it, and it creates a partnership where you, you come to really give and, and receive from each other in a very beautiful way. Right. So for instance, Barbara has a history when she was two years old, she lost her natural father in a divorce and she really essentially never saw him again. And so she has this fear that's sort of like irrational from my point of view. And, and she, she wants to make sure if I go away that I call her and tell her I'm not dead yet, I'm still alive. You know, I go, I'm busy, I'm not a, but now, I understand now that she's not doing it to torture me or because she doesn't trust me. She's doing it because this is her fear from early childhood. So I understand and she asks nicely, please. You know, so then I understand it. It changes the whole interaction. And I have my own things from childhood. My mother would yell a lot. And um, 
I hate criticism. So Barbara has to be really, really, really sensitive to saying something that I could interpret as criticism because then I might just fall apart emotionally. So she's very sensitive to that. And that's just my stuff. So we all have different things. And we, we teach couples how to understand, how to, how to um, uh, identify what it is their sensitive spots are so they can communicate what they need in those, at those times. Really, it really creates a partnership around working together. If you know me, you know I love cereal. Our whole family does. And growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But now that I'm older, I know it's important to watch out for empty carbs and extra sugar. So I took a little break there from eating so much cereal. But now I've tried Magic Spoon. And Magic Spoon has classic flavors and the crunch you love. But it has way less sugar and it's high in protein. We love Magic Spoon in the East household. I always get the variety pack. It has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs with only 140 calories per serving. It's high protein, has zero grams of sugar. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. It's pretty wild to think a cereal can be high in protein and low-carb and still taste delicious, but it does. I love eating a bowl of the fruity flavor after a workout for some extra protein. And Sean here loves the cocoa flavor as a snack before bed. We think everyone should try Magic Spoon and taste the difference themselves. Go to magicspoon.com slash eastfam to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code eastfam at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason... They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash eastfam. And use our code eastfam to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Is it a fair expectation within marriage to assume, believe, or think that your spouse is capable of healing from childhood traumas or things that you just talked about? within your marriage or is it an expectation of I need to learn those and forever act accordingly because of them I think you both have to collaborate in the process of healing the person who has injuries has to be open to connecting the dots and understanding that it comes from the past it doesn't come from your partner and expressing yourself in a way that can be heard uh, in a uh, comfortably and then the partner who is giving the new behavior, um, you know, you, you collaborate, you work together. It's not like your partner just heals you and you're passive, but it's a, it's a true partnership where um, you're not just growing your lives externally, but you're growing internally by working together. And I would add that my job is not to insist that Barbara heals her past. Mm. And, and until you heal the past, I don't want any any discussion about no my my attitude is whatever i can do to make things easier for her that makes her happy uh, i will try to do that i don't always say yes sometimes i can't sometimes i have to negotiate and but i have to know that my job is to love her so much that she feels taken care of and she has all these specific requests mm -hmm. that make her happy and they don't make sense to me. And I have to accept that they may never make sense to me, except I understand that's her journey of growing and developing. And that's what happened when she was two. Those are not simple things to get over. And that's my job is to accept her and love her as she is. And when I can cooperate with her request, then I do that. That's, that's our job with our partner. And it's reciprocated. That's so powerful. And you've mentioned the word mystery several times, which I feel like could be applied to both like individual ambitions and what I want versus what you want, but also kind of our individual wounds and like the mystery kind of behind that. And it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it's that it's the mystery that can be so frustrating where I'm like, I don't understand this about you, Sean, but it's also the, it's also the thrill of it, as you mentioned earlier, where it's like, if, if you approach the mystery with the right perspective, it can be the best part about the relationship because you're dealing with another individual, which, you know, like 
parenting has shown me it's a joy to watch someone pursue their own life and like let them stumble every now and then and uh you know let them figure it out but i'm my dumb joke earlier derailed us dr michael so the you're i think you're on your way to the third bullet point there after the yeah. no interruption right okay that, that that's perfect timing because the third the third secret is that don't expect that your partner will naturally and intuitively know what it is you desire because uh, who you are now is different than who you were when you first met. Mm. And whatever their desires are, uh, they have their desires and you have your desires. And so you have to learn the skill of making requests of each other. But it has to be nicely that you make a request. So you have to say, uh, when, when, you, when you talk to me, I want you to have a tone of voice that's gentle and soothing. Mm. And I want you to smile when you make a request. I don't want you to feel, look like you're angry about whatever it is. So that, that's what she has to do when she makes a request to me. And, then, and that would make you really happy? That would make me really happy, yes. yes. Thank you very Fine, much. Fine, I can do that. She wants me to clean out the garage she likes neatness. I said, all right, well, it's very important. She asks nicely about that. Is there not frustration that could be stemmed from that though? So say Sean asked me to request things of her and I smile and, and say it in a nice tone, but then, you know, I fall back into my normal habits of requesting maybe, uh, offhandedly and I'm not looking at her in the eye and I'm definitely not smiling. And then she's like, Hey, not only did you not honor my request, you didn't even request it in the right way. So how do you navigate that? Well, you know, if, if when your relationship is going well, there's enough goodwill that you mm. that your response can be said in a different way. <laughs> and so all you have to say is, you know, just like I said to Michael, would it really make you happy? Um, instead of instead of um, complaining that he's saying it in a rough way. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you want to you want to do as much as you can to accommodate the requests that you know about. So if you have a, you know, if things are going well, there's a certain um, uh, wealth of goodwill that can allow you to make that correction simply. If there's not enough goodwill and that tone of voice or that um, the choice of words feels edgy and and critical, um, you just ask for clarification. One of you, only one of you, has to stay conscious. For the relationship to stay on track but if you start reacting because you're sensitive um then and you both go down and that's you know then you then you have to repair it and it's a it gets more complicated what do you mean by stay conscious you you want to you want to be conscious of what a positive cycle is of of creating a conversation that is has a good outcome and so if one of you is cranky and the other partner is aware that they're, they're cranky, the partner who's aware can keep it floating in a positive way, even if it starts out cranky. If you're both cranky, you go down for the count and you're, you know, you have to resuscitate the relationship in the next bunch of hours or days because you've, you've both lost with each other. You want to win with each other as much as possible. And that means listening. And if you don't like the request, or say the request isn't a bad is in a negative form, or you don't like the request, you can you can negotiate it. You can say, "I'm happy to do that." Can you? Is, is it possible? Can you? It would really it would really work for me if you could say that in a positive way. You can recover if you're conscious, hmm. but if you're if your energy is low or you feel uh, cranky about other things and you react in a negative way, you're both negative, and the relationship feels out of sorts until you, you know, wake up and and rebuild it, recover it. Dr. Barbara, you alluded before the interview um, to men and women being different. And mm -hmm. I feel like especially in a situation like that, naturally the response might be different. How, how do those different, like what are those differences and how do people, how would you suggest people navigate them? So in the, wor in the world of being conscious, I don't think we're different. Um, you know, each of us has the responsibility of being aware of the relationship and being aware of what one's goal is and recovering from a negative moment. The differences I'm talking about is developmental. If you're two, if you're, you're a couple that have come together because you have great affinities and you're kind of in the same place when you start, what happens 
I think I, I've already mentioned this, what, uh, the, the, um, the partner who is the domestic partner, whether it's male or female, um, stays in a, in a mentality of bonding and adaptability because that's what parenting is, mothering is about or parenting is about. It's being responsive to the needs of others. The partner who goes out in the world to, and has goals and has to take responsibility for creating a business or making a successful career, they become strategic and focused on accomplishing goals. And so you find that the, the um, partner who's domestic is in their right brain, they're in their heart. The, the partner who's career oriented is in their head. And that's a collision course for a couple because you, as a, those are different conversations, being in your heart and being in your head. And um, I've been, you know, the couple either needs to understand that and if they're very, very mature and self-disciplined, they can, they can overcome that just out of self-discipline. But it, it's important for a couple to, to understand that the woman, the domestic partner and, and the um, working partner needs to develop the, the opposite, um, uh, the heart or the mind aspects so that their conversations can be integrated and balanced heart and mind. And, you know, we do that by intention through, uh, through growing people through skills. Because once you integrate your heart and your mind, the world looks different to you. When you're living in your mind and you're being strategic and goal-oriented, you, you have like half a pie. You don't realize it. If you're in your heart and you're bonding and accommodating to other people's needs, you're in a different, different half of the pie. And so it's much harder to bridge that gap and couples feel that and they feel disconnected and it's a, it's a hard time for a couple. And we're here to say you can grow through that and grow together. Um, I feel like for the most part, every couple we've gotten to interview that has, has gotten through the hard times and had a successful quote unquote um, marriage has said similar things in a, in a broad sense of, Marriage is very hard and relationships are very hard and you have to work through them and it takes work. But I feel like the general um, publicity that marriages and relationships get is if it's not easy, then it's not meant to be. And I feel like people shine such a light on divorce and you hear all of these people in the news saying, well, he just wasn't my person or she just wasn't my person or we were different people. Why do you think that is? And why do you think, especially the up and coming generation is so hooked on this idea of if it's not easy between us, it must not be worth the effort. Right. Well, uh, you know, I would say several things. One, the nature of marriage in today's world is different than it was 150 years ago. So marriage prior to 150 years ago, for a thousand years before that, very clearly defined roles between men and women. Women only started working in World War II when the men were off fighting, we needed someone to work in the factories. Women weren't working prior to that. I mean, the vast majority of women before World War II, they weren't working. So now we have, we have both men and women are working so that the quality of, of, the, of the marriage relationship is just very different. You didn't divorce uh, 150 years ago because that, that wasn't done because you each had your thing. If your husband had a job, brought the money home and the wife was taking care of the kids, that's, that was enough. The, all the other stuff we're talking about is icing on the cake. You know, uh, that, that. So now we want a lot more than that. And we expect a lot more than that. One of the things we write in our book is stories about fairy tales. And, and, and these fairy tales are either hundreds of years old or the one about Psyche and Eros, uh, Psyche and uh, Cupid, a few thousand years old. But they describe this process. So the story in short between Psyche and Eros, Psyche was a goddess. She came back to earth to become a human being. And, and uh, she was so beautiful and uh, no one would marry her because she was so beautiful. Then, um, uh, a Cupid or, or Eros, as he's known in, in, in the Greek version, he was going to shoot an arrow into her and have, a, have her fall in love with a monster. 
because that's what her mother, the goddess uh, Aphrodite wanted. And, and he saw how beautiful she was and he actually scratched himself on his own arrow and he fell in love with, uh, with uh, Psyche. So here he is, he makes a deal with Psyche and says, I wanna, I, I wanna marry you, I, 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 wanna, I want you to come live with me, but you can never see my face because I'm a god. In the light. Uh, right, so you can only be with him at nighttime when, when it was completely dark. And she did that for some, some period of time. Isn't that just like a man who doesn't want to share his insides? Right, you can only uh, see him in the dark. She loved being with him. They, they were in love, but she had a desire to look at him. So she came with a little uh, light, a little uh, uh, candle. A candle and looked at him at night while he was sleeping and saw how beautiful he was. And he was so beautiful, it shocked her because she didn't know who she, he was. She, she dripped some of the oil on him. He woke up and he said, you, you cheated. And he got up and left and went back to his mother, Psyche. Uh, I, I mean, uh, he went back to his mother, Aphrodite. So here she is all alone. And then she goes through this long process of trying to get back, asking everybody, how do I get back with my lover? And she has to go through these trials, which takes so much of her to develop her personality, makes it very impossible things that she does. And she finally goes through the trials and I won't go into the, the details. And then she can get back to, um, uh, to be with her, her love. So the ancients knew that there is a journey in relationship of growing. And then there's the, at the end, you see how um, Eros has to grow too. He has to separate from his mother and be stand on his own two feet. And so each, each the man and the woman both have a journey of individuation and development. And that's part of the fruits of a good marriage. And that our society doesn't see that it's worth doing that is, is because we're, we're, we're myopic. We don't, we don't have a vision anymore. And you know, the purpose of life is to grow and develop oneself. There is an exception though. If you're married to someone who's addicted to any kind of drug or substance, there is no growth. There's no possibility of growth because drugs you know, sideline you from the growth process. Otherwise um, your, your partnership has the potential to grow the distance. It's a matter of being committed to doing that. And hopefully, you know, the society will wake up that what we're doing for our children in choosing the easy way out, as though it's easy, it's really not easy, um, is, is just very short-sighted. And, and what we could add is that the whole purpose of life is not that it be easy. You don't have children because you want an easy life. You have children. Why do you want children for? It's such a difficult process. I mean, you love them when they're one and two, but to love them when they're 13 and 14, oh my goodness, they're so problematic. But, but having children makes you grow so much. And then when you see your children having children, as we have seven grandchildren, the quality of love is so much more intense than, than what you could have Im imagined when you were 13 or 14. You feel this great love and, and you love your grandchildren and you see their potential. And it's just not the whole process of life is designed to have you grow and develop. And it's not designed to be a smooth ride. All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the colorful chemistry kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. 
we got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code COUPLE. So you guys have obviously committed a lot of your life in several different ways to marriage, both in your personal life, having been married for 50 years, written a book, The Marriage Map, and uh, together you've guided over 30,000 clients to uh, successful marriages. We're speaking around the issue, but but why is marriage worth it? Like, why? Well, do you want to, do you want to stay in the consciousness of a 18-year-old your whole life? I do not. <laughs> yeah. It's limited. It is what it is. It has its value, but it's limited. If you have a, if there's, if you have a partner who knows you as almost as well as you know yourself and you have constant feedback, your partner is the one person in your life who by circumstance and commitment will tell you the truth. Most people don't tell you the truth, but you get feedback like you can't get any place else. It's the best psychotherapy there is. Mm. And so you have a, you have a, continuous self-improvement program over a lifetime to grow yourself. And otherwise you're staying in the same place all the time, doing the same old things and making the same mistakes and having the same results. Dude, freaking preach doctor. Okay. So here's my thing. Our culture, there's like so many hype, co like life coaches, motivational, like self-improvement people where it's like, yo, you wake up and you take an ice bath and then you go work out and then read my book and it'll be better. I'm like, no, that's not how you get better. If you're married, bro, you're going to be, it's the best self-improvement class that there is because yes. this chick doesn't let me get away with anything. <laughs> that's, because, that's because she believes in you and she wants great things for both of you. And that's the nature of, you know, being in love and being coupled and, you know, and really a, a principle in life is to tell the truth and, and learn how to tell the truth. So it's not mean. Um, mm. And you know, you, you have a lifelong program. It's phenomenal. In writing your book together, the marriage map, um, what was the biggest thing you learned about yourself? Cause I feel like forever within marriage, you're constantly learning and growing. What did you guys learn about each other? Well, that book was written quite a while ago. We have a new book out called ageless love. So, yes. um, uh, what did, well, I think we learned that that particular book, I think we learned how well we can work together, how much we enjoy thinking together. And, um, and that, you know, we are, we have, we have overlapping uh, value goals in life. And one is to um, help um, sponsor this kind of development among our, our population, mm -hmm. so that we're, we, we need to grow wisdom in our culture we're seriously lacking wisdom. And so um, I would add that um, the Marriage Map book, we talk very personally about our, our growth journey, Barbara and I. And um, we had to think out very, very much how that, that journey is reflected in, 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 in the changes that we talked about when you go close to those things you love and feeling more independent. And so I went through my understanding of what happened, how to write it down. And Barbara then went through her understanding, how to write it down. And it was a lot of interesting things like Barbara had uh, a friend that um, she loved very, very much. And that was her best friend. And she passed away. Barbara must have been like 50 years old then, something like that, maybe 55, something, something like, like that. that. And, and, and she realized that after her best friend passed away, then she had to rely on me to be her best friend. 
And that, that, that took us to a deeper level of interacting with each other, where then she relied on me to be her best friend and, and to share the, all the personal stuff. And that pressed me to be able to share very personally. And that's the kind of thing we wrote down in this book, The Marriage Map, so that people can see the map of marriage, what happens over a lifetime and how each of you will change. And so that was a very personal thing that uh, was very deep for us. It's important to reflect, you know, and, and part of being um, in the post-industrial age is that we have time to reflect. In, a, in different eras, there's, you know, there's less time. So we, you know, you, you want to share deeply with each other. I would love to hear more about Ageless Love, specifically your newest book, but maybe a good jumping off point would be, so Dr. Michael, you are in the anti-aging medicine world. Dr. Barbara, you have this deep training in um, marriage and, and uh, family counseling. How do those two mesh? What's the correlation there? Well, uh, I think the most important factor, and we go into it in some detail in the book, Ageless Love, is that the research on longevity is very surprising. This is like a... Uh, 70 plus year old study from Harvard on, on the longevity factors for, for uh, men who went to Harvard and for men who grew up in the, in the, in the local poorer section of Boston. And they, what they found was that in both groups, the most important factor in longevity after the age of 50 is the quality of your personal relationships. Wow. Oh my goodness. So here you are, if you're an anti-aging doctor and you're not working up with your patients to improve the quality of their personal relationship, you're ignoring the big elephant in the room. You've got to deal with that. So I do all kinds of things to keep people youthful, uh, bioidentical hormones, all kinds of vitamins, nutrients, all kinds of things that are really critical for longevity. But you've got to also work on the quality of your personal relationships. Mm. Sell me on anti-aging. I'm curious, why is that Why is that important to you? Like on the first glance, you're like, oh, anti-aging, okay. And then some people well, have the approach be, of like- When you get to be 45, 55, 65 years old, you're going to be really interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, the hormones change. For women, it's very quick. You're, 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 you're somewhere between 45 and 55 years old and you go into menopause. With a period of a year, your hormones drop dramatically, less estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and many other hormones. And, and that drop uh, creates poor sleeping, irritability, brain fog, uh, not sleeping good, decreased libido, less muscle, stamina, endurance. You feel old. It's all reversible with natural bioidentical hormones. You feel 10 years younger quickly. I do it all the time. Men are a little different. Because for men, their testosterone doesn't drop dramatically. When you're 40 years old, it begins to drop. 50 less, 60 less, 70 much less. So it's a gradual drop for testosterone for men. But men will feel when they're 55, 65, they'll feel, oh, I feel old. I try to exercise and I just can't build muscle and I'm tired. And my brain is not as clear, enthusiastic, and my libido is not functioning. That happens to men. And, and when we replace the testosterone for men, they live longer and healthier than if they do nothing and they feel 10, 20 years younger. So this reflects your energy, your vitality and your sexual function. You need all of that to have a hot relationship. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it, it, it's such a important part of, of enjoying life. And, and, and to maintain mystery and passion in a romantic relationship, you need this youthfulness. Otherwise, it just becomes like a brother-sister relationship. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found Skims while I was pregnant. And now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from Skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. 
they truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. How do you two, after 50 years, you know, the testosterone is very much physical. There's also the, uh, you know, the, the mental alertness that you alluded to, but from a relationship standpoint, how do you cultivate this aura of curiosity in each other after 50 years of knowing one another? We have great hobbies together. We're, um, we're competitive ballroom dancers. We compete all over the country. What? And, That's incredible. And, uh, you know, it, it's, there's excitement about dancing in the ballroom. And um, we have other um, hobbies together. We enjoy, you know, meditation and we, we have adventures with our, our grandchildren, our families. And um, Michael does so many exciting things. I'm so proud of him. And I, I'm not part of that. I just watch him and I'm thrilled and excited about who he is. He's such a spectacular man. I press, I press Barbara to write books with me. <laughs> Left by herself, she would just sit and read and read and read. Writing is like, oh my gosh, I've got to really be right out there. But I press her to write books. If she doesn't write them, I write them by myself. And then she says, this is terrible. Huh? Let me let me help you here. <laughs> and she helps me to write the book. And so, but that creates the mystery and passion because we're doing these things that we love doing. Um, uh, we have a dance show that we're going to perform um, another month for our friends and family. And we talk about all the things we talk about here, but we do it with uh, music and we dance to it and we tell stories. So it's like a whole production. And so we have a lot of fun. And, and, and that creates that passion because we're not sitting and watching television. When we give courses, we, at the end of the course, we bring our couples to the dance studio. We bring our dance coach and they have a lesson. But the thing about ballroom dancing that's really fascinating is that uh, it, it um, replicates the male and female roles and it makes it juicy and exciting. So, so uh, in, in ballroom, the man has to lead and, and take care of the direction. The woman has to follow the man and extend the movements and be the flower where the man's the stem. So, so both have to be strong and on your, stand on your own feet, but you have different roles and you learn, you learn, okay, I gotta let the man do timing and direction and I'm going to just float and, and extend all those movements. So each have your own roles and so it teaches you and they're both dynamic. They're both yeah. dynamic roles. So no one's a slouch. No one's there. You know, you're not a caboose on the train. You're both do you know bringing all of your energy, but your roles are somewhat different. And it's it's a it's a juicy reminder that we're yeah. we're a man and a woman. We're not just the same. Have you ever heard of the show Dancing with the Stars? Because I know someone yes. who won it. Sure. <laughs> if you know someone, uh, we'd love to be on that show. <laughs> no, you know, Sean has had pretty good success on that. All right, so we're ready to go on the show. So <laughs> okay, I'll let him know. I'll let him know. It's be... a it's a phenomenal show. It was it was yeah. a lot of fun. Our, our dance production was um was choreographed by Jonathan Roberts. Oh yeah. So oh we, my we gosh. Know, we know him, and we you know he's he helped produce our message. Yeah, he was on uh, my season as well. He's very yeah. sweet. He's a great guy. Nice. Um. Okay, so I want to ask your personal advice on two subjects. One, talk. We're in the parenting phase, young kids. We got a two and a half year old, 10 month old. What advice do you have for us there? And then the second topic would be working with your spouse. Um, but let's start with parenting. Well, we have a course specifically about parenting, and we teach couples how to parent together, which means, um, well, your children are young and uh, but you need to come together and really uh, define the rules. What's what what's really important? So your message is the same and you deliver it the same. So your children don't get a better deal with either one of you. They don't learn to manipulate, um, and that you're 
you know, you're consistent over time. And um, you, you shouldn't have more than, well, your kids are really young at, even when they're older, there shouldn't be more than 10 rules. And when they're older, a short list of chores and uh, everything, everything that you want from your children is time-framed and there's accountability. So you show up and nothing happens in their world till, you, till they do what you wanna do. And that's how you teach them um, how to be responsible, hmm. how to keep their word. And that's what keeps the two of you working together and not divided. You don't want your children making special deals with each, either one of you. First of all, it's manipulative. And second of all, it divides you as a team. Wow. And, and I would um, add that it's very important to enforce the rules gently, but firmly, particularly when they're in the two-year age. Because by the time they're four, they learn to remember and fight about things. It's much harder to correct bad behavior in a four or five-year-old who it, it remembers that this is the way they want it. When you correct them when they're two, they don't even remember what happened when they're three. So you wanna set the rules and boundaries when they're young and you both will sit together and just say, here's the rules for the household. We have bedtime, we have how to eat. This is when they get their clothes, they have to pick them up and put them away and they have to handle the, you know, the cleanups. You, you teach them what it is. And it's just a, just a thing, an automatic thing. The kids will do whatever you want They'll object a little bit, but once they learn that they have to do it, then, then it happens. It's automatic. So you're doing great, and, 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 and you follow that advice. We have a series of five um, video courses that are like three 20-minute three videos with homework that we teach you about uh, parenting, and then we have four other things for a relationship. And and uh, they cost like $37 for a course. And um, people can get them online. They're really, really helpful. And, and they talk about these very practical things. Each course is designed to be practical for the, for the couple. All right, so if you, if you invest in making your rules and being consistent, you teach your kids, there's no point in resisting. It makes your life easier. It makes their life clear and everyone wins. Right, and, and arguing, Arguing is not allowed. You never argue with your children. Once you argue with your children, you get given away all your power. And you, 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 you don't argue with a, a fly. You don't argue with a, an ant. You're in, it's, 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 you're in control with your children. You just set the rules nicely, firmly, say, nevertheless, this is the rule that nevertheless house. bedtime is 8 a.m. 8 p.m. Yeah. Ah, but mom, I want to stand. Uh, nevertheless, bedtime is 8 p.m. Go to bed. Huh. And you stand firm with that, whether it's mom talking or dad talking. There's no like better that. deal in the house. I like that. One in five Americans have, quote, learn a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off your list with Babel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Plus, Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Andrew and I have been learning Spanish on Babbel, and it's been so fun. We've wanted to learn a new language for so long and have finally started. We've learned how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants, all without having to consult language apps, which is so cool. It's crazy how fast your brain picks up a new language when it's presented in a relatable way. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Babbel has over 10 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash eastfam. Again, get 60% off at babbel.com slash eastfam, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash eastfam. Rules and restrictions may apply. So you clearly 
have a long history of working together with the books, with the courses. How have you done so successfully? Well, we've, you know, we've faced the same challenges everybody faces and we, we learn, we've learned out of our mistakes. We've learned, um, you know, I have uh, two children and I, um, and they're wonderful, they're bright and they're charming. And um, when I was raising my children, I, it was really hard to say no. And so I've made every mistake possible. And I had to, um, uh, to I had to learn to correct my mistakes. And um, it's humbling, but it's, you know, it, it has taught me that um, you can, out of good intentions and love, you can, you can make life harder for everybody. So to answer your question about how do we work together? So we work together really well now because we know how not to work together. So one way that we don't work together is to try to sit on the same computer and and give someone advice. So only until Barbara asks me, oh, can you help me to do this? Then I come by and I fix her little thing because she likes to do things her way on the computer and whatever it is. And so she has her own business within the medical office that I run. She has her room, she's her patients. And I wish she would ask me for more advice, but sometimes she does because she runs the business the way she runs it. I wouldn't run the business the way she runs it, but that's the way she runs it. So you know, I just accept that. And, um, um, and, and we have to appreciate when you look at your partner and you see them from afar, Barbara is such a great counselor. She is incredibly good. And, and, and it's so much fun to see her in that role. And I say, wow, isn't that great? But I know in other roles where she's not the great counselor, where you know, she's worried about losing something because she lost her father when she's two and now she's gone into that role. And, and I just see the different pieces of her. And so, but just accepting each other. And then you can see how great they are in so many ways. And then, you know, there's other ways where they, you know, they have their stuff. So we have our separate domains and we respect each other. And then we, and we have projects we come together in and we have different skills. And so we do different things that contribute to the projects and we, we choose them well, what excites us we do together and, and what uh, is separate, we do separately. And it's, uh, the balance is great. Last question from me and then we can close uh dr barbara not only are you a, a licensed therapist but you also have a background in theology and religion and i'm curious what the overlap is there how, how are those integrated well i enjoyed those years uh being in a, a seminary i i my exploration into the um the foundation of our civilization the ancient um uh, foundation of our civilization contains wisdom, wisdom that our secular society has largely forgotten. But even the stories, old stories of how, what it means to be, um, you know, what it means to grow and become a mature and wise person, uh, they're embedded in all of our ancient stories. We call it religion, but it's really, um, it's really the, um, the, comp the repository of our culture's wisdom. And um, that gave me an orientation about what's important in life. And, um, and from there, I saw the dynamics of relationships. I want, you know, it's so important to have healthy relationships. That's, you know, much of our biblical heritage is about the quality of relationships, what works and what doesn't work. And um, so I, I feel like I have a, a, a kind of deep foundational knowledge about what life is from studying religion and you know and historical um, reflections, um, whether it's the Greek tradition or the Hebraic tradition or the Christian tradition, it's all wisdom, and uh, it it helps me it helps me understand um, what's important and what's not. Wow, I think I I grunted more in this episode because of all the good things that were said than, than in any other episode. So, so thank you for that. Um, and as Dr. Michael and Dr. Barbara mentioned, they recently re released another book called Aegis Love. We'll link the information down below as well as other information about these two, but I can't thank you guys enough for joining us. 
Um, maybe well, we'll see you on the ballroom floor. And thank uh, you for. Um, I, I can mention that um, uh, if people are interested in, 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 in looking up some of our courses, agelesslovequiz.com, that will, will get your listeners uh, to a, a website and they could uh, take a little quiz and see which, which challenges are the most intense for them. And then they will have opportunity to see what practical skills they can learn by going on that agelovequiz.com. We'll have to go take that right now. There you have it, agelovequiz.com. Yeah. Thank you both for your time and I look forward to hopefully future conversations. Be a pleasure. Really, we wish you love. <laughs> Thank you. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.